brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back to our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now, here's the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. Uh, this week, we're going to do a show. I announced last week we were going to do a show on uh, on uh, prejudice, but I, I'm still constructing that show, so I am going to do it on abusive relationships, and I think this is a very pertinent topic. There's a lot of folks in a lot of abusive relationships out there. However, many of them don't recognize even what abuse is because they're so used to it. You know, the the deal is, is that abusive relationships can be fairly simple. They're, they're driven by basic insecurity, fear, and that fear feeds that insecurity and an exception of uh, an expectation of inconsistency, both real and perceived. So an abuser is is a morbidly insecure person, and uh, they have little sense of their own social value, and they make an effort to gain or regain some semblance of that value through their domination and control. So the fear that feeds that insecurity has two uh, basic elements, fear of not being lovable and fear of appearing weak. And the paradox here is that the abuser is, in fact, weak, which is why they abuse. You know, to, to, they want to maintain a sense of control in the first place. And the perceived inconsistency on the part of the abuser by the victim is that the victim is not submitting to the abuser's domination. So the victim is also morbidly insecure, both are morbidly insecure, and for surprisingly similar reasons. They also, this the, the victim, has a little sense of their own social value, but makes an effort to establish the value by losing to the demand of the submission. And the fear that feeds this insecurity is also about not being lovable or being loved, and there's also a willingness to accept the inconsistency of the abuser's attention for the sake of being loved. And we'll, we'll talk about the... Uh, cycle of abuse later on. You know, but the pathological need to control on the part of the abuser and the pathological need for attention on the part of the victim is a match made in heaven for abuse. It is the environment that they thrive under. So, you know, we're all just a bunch of uh, neurotic basic habits that tend to have uh, a fit in our opposite to create a, a, a psychosocial balance. So abusive relationships are one of the most extreme cases of this dynamic. And there's a lot of training of the victim uh, or, or the perception or the need to perceive uh, from the abuser of a victim. And this is what abusers generally look for. They look for somebody who won't take a compliment. Because if the person won't take a compliment, that means that the abuser sees them through or the abuser is seen as the, someone who sees the victim in a better light than the victim sees themselves. And so many abusers pick up on victims by the fact that they won't accept compliments. And then they know that there is a psychology there that they can feed off of. And I'm not saying they do this consciously. I'm saying they do this likely subconsciously. They look for the insecure elements in the victim to see if they could submit and testing that and and uh, feeding them and be- beefing them up doing the honeymoon phase where it's all lot of pleasure, a lot of compliments, a lot of nobody ever saw the victim this way as, as the most beautiful, wonderful person. And then suddenly the abuser comes around once they've trapped you and they turn around and do their abuse. 
you know, and, and so what do abusive relationships look like? Well, it's not always about being, you know, slapped around. You know, abusive relationships come in all forms uh, along with physical abuse, but there's also social, emotional abuse, sexual abuse, and we're not referring to a molestation here. Uh, there's financial abuse. Um, there, the abuse is about a dynamic of extremes, about domination and submission. Uh, there's also verbal abuse. And, and it's also about uh, giving and withholding. And it's also in the very, very extreme. You know, the abuser is also driven by a more subtle, uh, primitive sense of fear because he or she is often limited in their social perspective and sees things only from an egocentric, self-centered perspective. And so they'll lash out when they see no other options. They become sort of passive aggressive. Um, you know, the victim, on the other hand, tends to be emotional, uh, an emotional anorexic. They, they're starving themselves or, or allowing themselves to be starved and then gorging themselves wherever comes uh, uh, emotional feeding, where they get praise and they get to be seen in a light that is different. And so that state of mind basically drag uh, grabs onto their neediness, needing and not having, having and not wanting, needing again. I mean, these are the cycles that they work off of. And oftentimes the victim will perceive that negative attention is better than no attention at all. And so they drive some of this knowing that the abuser has the ability to abuse. You know, if you think about growing up, you know, uh, was there something that your family did that was unusual, like sitting around at night, singing together or working in a community garden, you know, something like that? And you just assumed that everybody did that. And you were later surprised to find that, you know, you were mistaken. You know, it's the same thing. If you're socialized to equate love with pain or withholding, then you will seek out love in that form. And so people, basically, uh, abuse goes from generation to generation to generation in a family. And, and it just keeps on going. So the people that start the cycle of abuse actually breed that within their own family and create that in an environment of how their children grow up and then they become abusers. Not all of them do but some of them do. You know, it's also, you know, an example is, is something like um, like a silverware drawer. You know, uh, think about where the silverware drawer was in the house which you grew up. Now think about where is your uh, silverware drawer in your house. You know, I suspect it, it's probably close to the area where it was in your house growing up. And it's the same thing. It's a pattern that you've learned and subconsciously it's absor absorbed itself into you. You know, abusive re relationships are very tricky. And, and uh, you know, just like, let's say a, a fish doesn't know it's wet, you know, uh, that's kind of what it's like. We often don't see the subtle markers for abuse in a relationship because we're in it. We're in the middle of it and we can't look outside of it. Yeah, from the outside looking in, you know, so here's the thing. It all comes back to us, to our responsibility and to our own accountability if we want it to stop. You know, it, it is our responsibility to stop abuse and to confront abuse. And so what I'm going to do in this show is kind of teach you, no, number one, how to recognize it, but also teach you how to work through it and resolve it or end it. And uh, so here's some signs, you know, let's face it, uh, you know, emotions are part of any relationship. The critical factor, however, is controlling the expression and use of strong emotions, learning how to manage our emotions, learning to have emotional intelligence. So many relationships begin with passion and intense emotion, but they can evolve 
into emotionally abusive relationships. And, and so here's some uh, key warning signs of any emotionally abusive relationship. You know, number one is you walk on eggshells. In order to avoid upsetting your partner, you are vigilantly careful not to do anything that will trigger a negative emotional reaction. So when we live in an abusive relationship, it means that you will never know when something that you do, no matter how seemingly trivial, may set off an emotional backlash by your partner. Also, uh, your partner can express emotions, but you can't. That is a really strong sign that you're in an abusive relationship. You know, emotionally abusive relationships are imbalanced. uh, So it's okay for your partner to rant and rave. But if you express negative emotions, perhaps even mild ones, you are subject to criticism and even worse, a strong emotional backlash. Here's another sign of an emotionally abusive relationship. Your partner mistrusts you and your emotions, and often emotionally abusive individuals have low self-esteem. So, which this leads to a lack of trust in the with of your partner, and as well of a, a belief of expression of displeasure, it, which is designed to hurt. You know, their expression of emotion on your part becomes an attack. Also, here's another sign. You can't discuss relationship problems and issues. Any criticism is viewed as as an assault. And so, uh, you know, in order to uh, maintain a common emotional environment, you basically don't discuss the problems. Uh, You know, here's another one final sign. You know, you feel constantly confused and trapped. You know, being a victim in an emotionally abusive relationship can leave you constantly emotionally confused and feeling trapped. You know, the emotional abusive partner may use emotional appeals to keep you in the relationship. I need you to help me. You can't leave me alone. You know, the stuff like that. You often as a victim, you feel helpless to do anything about the situation and you actually feel embarrassed about the situation. So what do you do about it? You know, there's really uh, a, a few basic choices. Number one is seek counseling, both joint and individual, and you also have the option to get out of the abusive relationship. No one should have to endure psychological or physical abuse in any relationship. You know, it, it, is it possible that you're being abused and you don't even know it? Yes. You know, domestic violence is once again very important. It's very important to understand what is going on in, in a, a a relationship that involves domestic violence. You know, this is partly due to abusive incidents with uh, people uh, degrading each other. They cuss out each other and then it escalates and they don't take a time out. They don't stop. They just keep going until they blow on each other and one may turn to physical violence. And because they see any attack as an attack and they become a brainstem, they basically become fight or flight and they some become flight and some become fight. You know, psychological abuse occurs when a person in a relationship tries to control information available to the other with the intent to manipulate that person's sense of reality and their view of what is acceptable and unacceptable. So psychological abuse often contains strong, emotionally manipulative content and threats designed to force the victim to comply to the abuser's wish. So information becomes a way that they withhold and they give information that becomes psychological abuse. And I can't tell you how many times I see that in relationships. And boy, you know, the the victim gets extremely enraged 
when they're confronted with the fact that they weren't trusted with information. It's looked at, you know, people are in a partnership in a relationship. There should be no secrets ever in a relationship. No secrets if you want it to be peaceful. You know, all abuse uh, takes a severe toll on self-esteem. The abused person starts feeling helpless and possibly even hopeless. They have this deep, dark secret inside them and they know they're out of control, but they don't know what to do about it because they're afraid of what people will perceive. And in addition to most emotional, most uh, mental abusers are adept at convincing the victim that the abuse is their fault. And so somehow the victim is responsible for what happened. So, um, you know, let's look at some signs that you are in, uh, let's say, a more toxic relationship. You know, uh, false information is uh, presented with the intent of making the victims doubt their own memory, their own perception, their own sanity. And so, you know, if you look at signs, here are them. You know, the person is humiliating or embarrassing you. They're constant put-downs. There's hyper, hyper criticism. Uh, there's a f- refusal to communicate. There's ignoring or, or excluding you. Extramarital affairs. Very pro- provocative behavior with the opposite sex. Use of sarcasm. Unpleasant tone of voice. Unreasonable jealousy. Because oftentimes a person that is accusing is the one that's doing the issue. They're, they're the one with the problem. It's usually the accuser who is having the affair rather than the one that they're accusing. A lot of people project their own problems on their partner. You know, there's also guilt trips. There's also uh, saying, I love you, but, you know, that is a sign of abuse. It's saying things like, if you don't do this, I will. So there's going to be retribution. That is a very strong sign that there is abuse, domination and control, uh, withdrawing of affection. You know, I cannot tell you how many people have sexless relationships. You know, they're in a partnership, but they're just like roommates. And that is abuse. And that's abuse of both of you. And both are participating willingly. Also, making everything the other person's fault. Uh, If someone is isolating you from friends and family, that's abuse, guys. Also, uh, using money to control, that's abuse. Threatening to commit suicide if you leave. Constant calling or texting when you're not with them. These are all very strong indications that there is an abusive relationship going on. So it's important to remember that it's not absolutely not your fault. Abusers are expert manipulators with the knack for getting you to believe that the way they are is because of you. And so, you know, you've got to not buy that argument. And that is number one. But it's hard not to buy that argument when you're scared for your life. And so, you know, this is such a very, very, very uh, serious topic. So, you know, I have to ask myself, and I know all of us do, why do people stay in these relationships? You know, people who have never been abused often wonder why a person would leave. So they don't understand that breaking up can be more complicated than it seems. So there are many reasons why both men and women stay in abusive relationships. And if you have a friend of an unhealthy relationship, you you really want to talk to them and support them by understanding why they may choose not to leave immediately. You know, but you also want to form a plan, a plan of when the abuser is abusing, how that person can seek help, safety, and, and have that prepared, have a kit prepared, have, have clothes prepared, have all kinds of information, places to go prepared. So, you know, here's 
the conflicting emotions, fear. Your, your, your friend may be afraid of what will happen if they decide to leave the relationship. You know, some people believe that abuse is normal. So if your friend doesn't know what a healthy relationship looks like, perhaps growing up in an environment where abuse was common, they may not recognize that their relationship isn't healthy. They actually may feel at home in an abusive relationship because that is what they're used to coping with. Also, the fear of being outed. You know, if your friend is of the same uh, uh, in a, in the same sex relationship and has not yet come out to everyone, their partner may threaten to reveal the secret. So being outed may be a reason that they stay. Also, um, embarrassment. You know, it's probably hard uh, to admit that they've been abused, and and so it, abusive people and abused people that have been abused have a very hard time admitting that and letting people know. Also, low self-esteem. You know, if your friend's partner is constantly putting them down and blames them for the abuse, it can be easy for that person to begin to believe those statements. Also, you know, love. Your friend may stay in an abusive relationship hoping the abuser will change. But if you think about it, you know, marriage is not built on love. It's built on trust. You know, if you trust someone, love always follows. And so it's important to understand that all relationships, the binding to the book is trust, not love. Love will follow if trust is there. You can love someone and not trust them, though. And a lot of people stay in a relationship because they think it's all about love. And that's just not happening. Also, uh, uh, social and peer pressure, you know, maybe the abuser is a popular person and they're afraid of the, the embarrassment that it would cause. Also, cultural and religious reasons. Many people stay in it because they say, well, I'm, I'm only supposed to be married once. I don't feel like I'm, I should be uh, uh, out there looking for somebody else or trying to change my situation. So, you know, we're going to go into uh, more reasons of why people stay. We're going to talk about the psychology of an abuser. And then we're going to move on into what forms of abuse there are out there. Thanks for listening. Come back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist in Southern California, but he is here to help you no matter where you are. Visit drgbmft.com. You can schedule an appointment with Dr. Bell, and many major health insurance plans are accepted. Call or text Dr. Bell today at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com. Dr. Bell could help you take back your life in four to eight carefully constructed sessions. Stop coping and start living in the now. Call 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. Encouraged and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour. Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with hosts Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. 
VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about why people stay in abusive relationships. And, you know, pregnancy is a big thing. If they're pregnant or they have a young child or they have children uh, as parents, they don't want their children to grow up without two parents. But you have to wonder, you know, what are your children watching you know, what are they seeing? What are they hearing? Because that is what you're teaching them to do in their relationships. Um, you know, th- that's why some people trap themselves. They do it because they're responsibility for their children. And, and the fact is, you know, people that divorce, and I, I don't mean to say this on this show, but it, the truth is, is that people that divorce, uh, 38% end up in some level of pover- poverty on one or the other side, meaning the parent, the father or the mother. Or if it's a, a, a homosexual relationship, it's either or on both sides. You know, also, uh, distrust of police is a big thing. And the fact is, is if you have an abusive relationship going on, there's a good chance a police may call on CPS, which means that both of you may lose your children. And so abuse is not something to mess around with. If, if, if a neighbor happens to hear you yelling and screaming at each other and they call the police and the police show up and they feel like... Like you guys are out of control, they're going to feel like you, you don't have the ability to parent and they're going to possibly have your children taken. And that is a very long, long, long journey back to getting your children back in your lives. So, you know, if you're going to live in an abusive relationship and you have children, uh, there is a good chance you could lose them. And, you know, bottom line is in this day and age, there's a lot less secrets about families than there used to be because we have social media and children communicate alongside of their parents. And there's a lot of concern that adults have about abusive adults. And so this this could blow your family entirely apart if you do not seek help for abuse. Also, nowhere to go. That's another reason. You know, they don't feel like there's any safe place to go. And even if they did go somewhere, they would have to admit what's going on in their home. And that in itself would cause major, major disruption. Lack of money is another reason. And also disability, sad to say, but people that are disabled in a relationship often become victims of abusers. So how do you look at the psychology of an abuser? You know, abusers often suffer from their own mental illness. You know, a mood disorder may take them more, be, make them more prone to irritability and anger, both depression and mania. Uh, mania is when you go way up or way down in your emotions very quickly, and that can manifest itself in very heightened snappiness and quickness to attack, especially when associated with insomnia. People that often have insomnia often have depression and often have major levels of anxiety, and many times they are quick to abuse. Um, and uh, also, high threat careers like military can cause people to remain in a flight or flight mode. 
So anybody that's wearing a uniform, a firefighter, a cop, you know, a Coast Guard, whatever, Navy, what any any form of military, anybody that's wearing a uniform can be very much in an abusive relationship because they're always having to uh, protect. They're always having to protect themselves and they have to live defensively. And so that causes them to uh, have a chronic edginess and an aggression that will uh, basically uh, form them in, in a survival mode. And an impulse control disorder may mean the person has trouble keeping uh, wayward behaviors in, tech, in check. Uh, impulse control people often live defensively. Um, and so this is not uncommon out there in the world. Also, uh, the, the uh, repetitive uh, uh, compulsions like, like impulse control exacerbate stress. So people that have trouble spending money and not saving money, they always are feeling insecure about their life because they're not providing for their future. And they form this uh, compulsion to spend every time that they're uncomfortable or sad or uh, – or, or depressed. And so that compulsion also leads to a very deep insecurity. And if you look at a marriage or a relationship, you know, you have one of the measuring sticks of a relationship is how well do you manage money? Um, because that means you're actually looking out for your future, not for the here and the now. Also, a traumatic brain injury or other organic uh, brain damage that is uh, often associated th- with things like sports, uh, football, boxing may affect parts of the brain like the frontal lobe. And it causes uh, disinhibition and mood changes. Also, you know, my gosh, you know, addictions to substances like alcohol can strongly exacerbate these behaviors. You know, some research has conjectured that uh, testosterone can also sometimes worsen violent, antisocial, aggressive behaviors and adversely affect empathy. So people that are uh, a high level of testosterone or people that are taking testosterone to a high degree they may have a lot of mood changes and it could form itself into a, uh, a very violent relationship. You know, environment and learned behavior also contributes to abuse. So sometimes abusers have witnessed similar behaviors in their own families and then they inevitably imitate their original role models, male and female. They may harbor, you know, severe resentment towards the, the, the gender that they attack because of the unresolved issues with their own parent. And uh, who may have been uh, physical, emotionally cruel, or unloving. And it isn't uncommon to end up identifying with the aggressor. You know, an ego defense mechanism where you internalize the role of the powerful figure in the family because you see the abuse and the dominance as power. You see this aggression as the way they behave in later relationships and jobs. And that's the way that you need to uh, be in the role. You need to be in a role of power. And this happens both with men and women. Yet even with these uh, biological and, and psychosocial insights as to what renders someone vulnerable to become violent, I you still have to wonder what goes awry, what, what in that key element is what's going wrong. You know, someone decides to cross that line of abuse and, and most of us still recognize and appropriately flinch at, at this resolution that this person actually has crossed the line. You know, it's amazing. 
You know, there's also a very, in in an abuser, there's a very related issue of a lack of ego strength, insecurity, you know, that self-esteem. Self-esteem is the the inability to love yourself. So, how do you not love yourself? That means you're not able to say no to the things that destroy your life. Um, So, you know, people that walk around with poor boundaries or very... Uh, selfish boundaries where they always want to be a glutton of their, you know, to serve their own needs before everyone else's. That's an abuser, guys. If they take care of themselves before they take care of their family, that's going to be an abusive relationship. Not that you're not supposed to take care of yourself. You do need to take care of yourself to take care of your family, but you you don't want to be putting yourself first above and beyond the people that you're responsible for. A family is a, a congregation of people that have to work together. It's a team. It's, it's, it's a family. And there's love there. And there's roles that have to be played for the family to function. But if the role is to dominate, you're creating a system that is all about the abuser. You know, there's also this uh, cycle of abuse. And you have to look at that. What is the cycle of abuse? Well, look, just think about it. What happens is we go through the honeymoon phase and the victim is feeling like they're getting everything that they want. And they're so happy and things are peaceful and they're having sex and they're loving each other and they're talking, they're communicating. And then all of a sudden, at some point, they start to break down and they begin to not get needs met and they start taking each other for granted, the abuser and the victim. And so basically, life is okay, but they're starting to irritate each other. They're starting to peck at each other. They're starting to say, my needs aren't getting met and not listen to each other. And then they start to escalate and then it turns into abuse. And then all of a sudden, the abuser comes back and starts telling them how much the victim, how much they love them and starts doing everything that the victim wants. And the victim goes, wow, I'm getting that love back. I have faith. I have hope that this is all going to fix itself. Well, then they fall into that cycle again and they get into taking each other for granted, then start picking at each other, escalate in a fight and bang, abuse happens again. So oftentimes the victim has so low self-esteem that they live for the honeymoon phase and they'll actually instigate the abuse to happen so that they can get to the honeymoon phase again because that's how they feel they can only get love in this relationship. And it's sad. It's sad. They get addicted to the cycle and they stay in it. So, you know, let's look at uh, what domestic violence is. It is when a partner physically, verbally, emotionally, and sexually abuses their intimate partner by exerting power or control over them. So, domestic violence occurs in all cultures, races, religions, classes, and yes, even same-sex relationships. So, we find that domestic violence is basically perpetrated by men and women. You know, 95% of reported uh, domestic violence cases are men abusing women, and 5% of reported domestic violence cases are women abusing men. Now, also, there is the same-sex relationships, which fall into the uh, 5%. Also, national statistics, every 12 seconds, a woman is abused by their intimate partner in the United States. 37% of pregnant women are battered during pregnancy, including blows to the abdomen. There are more animal shelters than there are shelters for victims of domestic violence in the United States. There are so, you know, these numbers are very staggering. And you have to remember that this is only what is reported to the police. Imagine how many more women are being abused but never report it to the police. 
You know, it it's amazing. So once again, let's go back over the cycle of violence. Tension uh, building. This phase is where there's usually tension building from the batterer, abuser, and there's usually an argument. Then there's phase two, the explosion. This is where the assault happens. Phase three, there's the honeymoon phase. This is where the batterer apologizes for their behavior, buying the victim gifts, flowers, whatever. And then the cycle goes again. You know, there, there's, uh, there are five types of abuse, and they usually start with the less noticeable first and become more obvious as the abusive relationship continues. There's emotional, you know, uh, playing mind games, uh, having a pet put, put to sleep um, just because they get in the way. You know, then there's a view, uh, the verbal, that's name-calling. Um, and, and people do this technologically uh, by also doing the GPS, tracking their partner, Facebook sabotaging. Then there's sexual, forcing sex while asleep or based on uh, the Bible, using guilt trips about the Bible says, you know, and, and trying to force sex with a partner that is committed to them but is not wanting sex. You know, rape can be occur in a marriage, Rape can occur in a relationship. It is not consensual. Both need to consent. Also, physical, you know, killing, punching, choking, you know, uh, these are kind of phases and types of abuse that take place out there in this world. Obviously, emotional and verbal and even technological are the most pervasive, you know. Uh, uh, So, let's look at a profile of abuser. Number one, jealousy where they're questioning uh, constantly about whereabouts, jealous of time that they spend away from them. Number two is controlling behavior, you know, uh, they, they, where the person couldn't get a job, leave the house, bathe without their permission. Everybody has to seek permission of the abuser. Then there's isolation. You know, they, they uh, make the partner move away from family, friends, so that they depend on them solely for support. And then uh, they force them to have sex against their will. You know, that's oftentimes a sign or a profile of abuser. Now, all of these don't have to be the case for a person to be classified in as abuser. Also, if they hold very rigid gender roles, you know, that is abuse. You know, I'm the king of the castle. She's not that that shit's out the door, guys. You know, that stuff is ridiculous for a person to say, I'm the man. She's the woman. We don't live in that day and age. We don't live in that day and age. The laws of this country, at least in the United States, and I know many other countries are not established to put a woman in a secondary role. You know, women have equal rights with us, and they also have equal rights in a marriage. There is no uh, dominant role because what you're doing is you're setting up an abusive relationship by having one be the dominant um, because they're, they're, they're basically becoming objects. We're becoming roles. They're not people. They don't have consideration or empathy for each other because they have certain roles that they have to portray. You know, uh, diagnosis of abusers, batterers. uh, Oh, first of all, men that are uh, abusive are usually very clever, very smart, and extremely charming. And most of these uh, men especially have personalities that draws people in because of their level of charm that is part of their art to deceive and manipulate. This is why oftentimes when a victim does not report an assault, she, she is not easily believed because people usually say, not him, he's so nice, he's so lucky, you're so lucky. You know, they just don't believe to the stark contrast of what they see compared to what you're reporting. So uh, when we look into mind 
and behaviors of batterers, uh, you know, there's some very strong diagnostic information that tells us what this person's about, this abusive person. Now, usually they're uh, oftentimes antisocial personality disorder where they're deceitful, they're repeatedly lying, they use aliases, they're con other people for personal profit or pleasure. There's also the borderline personalities, and this is a pattern of unstable, intense inter- interpersonal relationships by basically needing to control by alternating between extreme ideations, ideations and devaluation. So they, they will always play the devil's advocate against their partner and make their partner feel like they are in the wrong. Also, there's the narcissistic personality disorder where they have very grandiose sense of self-importance where you would start talking to that person and they just start looking off because they're really not interested in anything you have to say. They're only interested in themselves. Um, You know, so how do we look at treatment? Well, treatment is you have to begin to understand what the disorder is. You have to get out from the outside in. That's why group therapy is also a very good psychological approach for people who are battered so that they can and also people that batter the abusers so that they can actually see their behavior from the outside looking in. They can see what's going on and, and, and looking at it from the outside in, it gives people tools and focuses them on the need to fix it and how bad it really is because they start hearing it from other people. They start observing as the person, just like you're, you're watching a movie, you're, you're observing from the outside in. But when you understand that I'm sitting in the room with the same people, I've got this problem too. That gives you insight that you need that helps you. Also, individual therapy. You know, this is a really good form of treatment because it gives the batterer more time to express himself without the interruption of other people. There is no walking on eggshells in therapy because it is confidential. So you're there to get tools to get from outside of the problem and begin to hear yourself talk, begin to understand what your life has happened to it and what is going on. All right, we're going to take another break. We're going to talk about verbal abuse. Once again, we're going to talk about signs of emotional abuse and uh, how emotional abuse actually begins and how to escape and how to confront abuse. Come back. us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Do you like what you're hearing on the show today? Dr. Gary Bell wants to help you no matter where you are. He's fast, efficient, effective, and has a no-bull approach to helping you in less than 10 sessions. If you're ready to change right now, drop everything and call or text Dr. Bell at 951-818-7856 or visit drgbmft.com today. You can also follow Dr. Bell on Twitter at drgbmft for some great insight and direction. Are you ready? Make that change. Pick up the phone or go to the site, 951-818-7856 or drgbmft.com. Remember, drgbmft.com. The Compassionate Life is about just that. There are so many human beings who have made a name for themselves by being humanitarians. They have become individuals who are known for being selfless, kind, and compassionate. 
host, Dr. Brittany King, is also one of these humanitarians. Each week, she shares stories of kindness that she has experienced throughout the world, both as a contributor and recipient of these acts of love and kindness. Listen every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it'll take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at svcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back. Dave, we're talking about abuse in relationships. And right now we're going to focus a little bit on verbal abuse and what it's about. You know, words are very powerful. You know, they can lift us up and they could beat us down. They could soothe us or they could wound us. You know, so science has a lot to say about verbal aggression. And there are some very strong points that have been made through scientific studies on the brain and the circuitry of the brain to basically understand how verbal abuse impacts people. You know, the circuitry for physical and emotional pain basically appears to be the same. You know, that means that people that are feeling psychological pain actually have the same amount of degree their brain is just as stressed out as a person that would have physical pain and that is so important to understand a, a verbal abuse can really tear a person's life down it can tear them apart and 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 if you're going to live on eggshells and you're going to live in stress because you're being verbally abused you're basically starting the ticking bomb of whatever you're biologically designed to end your life you know if you have cancer in your family if you have a if you have a heart disease or whatever, you know, diabetes, you know, your brain eventually has a tipping point where it says, I need an exit strategy. And it turns on that physical gene that actually is a gene and it actually will engage the exit strategy for your life. And that gene is operated by stress. Living with an abuser, you are basically taking years off your life and years, if you're a parent, years away from your children having you as a parent. You know, uh, also verbal aggression literally changes the structure of a child's developing brain. You know, it's, it's amazing. You know, we can thank evolution for this adaptability. You know, it's ironic. Since the brain goes into survival mode, retooling so as to deal with an environment full of stress and deprivation. So it will not surprise you that these effects are very lasting, you know. Studies have identified that the areas of the brain most affected by the is, is basically the thing that controls motor, sensory, cognitive information uh, be, between two brain hemispheres. And the hippocampus, which is part of the limbic system, which it regulates emotions, and the, free, uh, the frontal cortex, which is your thought and your decision making, basically are all redesigned to survive. And a person that's living in survival is seeking safety, not intelligence. Safety instead of intelligence. So they basically are not able to evolve. Um, and it's so sad because children that grow up in a uh, where their brain has to develop to survive, 
um, they, they, they're not able to fully recognize and become who they are because they have to live in this sense of abuse. And it's very hard for them to rewrite their brain and reconstruct it in marriage when they've lived that way through their entire childhood. You know, also the effect of verbal aggression is greater than the expression of love. You know, a group of researchers wondered whether the presence of a reasonably attentive and affectionate parent could could offset the damage done by a verbally aggressive one, and they discovered that it couldn't. In fact, the effects of the parental verbal aggression and the uh, parental verbal affection seem to operate independently of each other. So the expression of verbal abuse actually traces itself into the brain stronger than the one of love. And to me, that's not surprising, uh, once again, because we're creatures of survival, and in our childhood, we need safety, and we know that the parents hold all the power. Also, deliberately uh, inflicted emotional and physical pain hurt more. So, emotional and deliberately inflicted emotional and pain and physical pain hurt more. And, and so, you know, people that combine emotional with, you know, hurting someone, with physical, a person is violated in such a deep way that they lose their self-esteem. And so, this traces itself into the brain very strongly. So, when instead of a person having an accident and hurting themselves physically, if they're emotionally hurt and physically hurt at the same time, that's going to leave a legacy in that person's brain. Also, verbal aggression and abuse are internalized. You know, they basically, uh, you know, consist of shame, dismissiveness, hypercritical, uh, maternal voice in your head that is one of the most difficult parts of healing. But that part of your brain, that maternal part of your brain, basically is talking you to uh, talking you into staying in a relationship. So, what are basic types of verbal abuse? I mean, we have to understand what it is. Withholding is the primary manifest of withholding of information and failure to share thoughts and feelings. You know, a person who withholds information, refuses to engage with their partner in a healthy relationship, that person is abusive. Uh, number two is countering. You know, this is a ten- tendency for the person to rather point at you and say you're the problem by uh, pointing out things that you've done rather than taking responsibility for what you're trying to ha- hold them responsibility. Now, this happens not merely in political, philosophical, or scientific context, but in ordinary context as well. So, the, the victim of abuse may share their positive feelings about a movie they just saw, and the abuser may then attempt to convince them that their feelings are wrong. And this countering or dismissing the victim's feelings, thoughts, and experiences on a regular basis takes its toll. That is abuse, guys. Also, discounting. You know, the discounting is an attempt to deny that the victim of abuse has any right in his or her thoughts or feelings. Also, verbal abuse can be designed uh, or disguised as jokes. You know, I'm just joking. I'm just being sarcastic. Well, yes, that oftentimes is abuse. You know, the abuser may say something very upsetting to the victim of abuse. And then after seeing their reaction, say, it was just a joke. Abuse is not only in any form. Jokes that hurt are abusive. And the best jokes you should say should be about yourself. You know, blocking and diverting. Blocking and diverting is another tool that they use, which is a form of withholding, basically, where the abuser decides which topics are good conversation topics. You know, an abuser practicing this form of abuse may tell the victim that they are talking out of turn or is complaining too much. 
Also, accusing and blaming. You know, abusers are really good at this. Guilt and shame. They will accuse the victim of things that they're outside of their control. And they will accuse a partner of preventing them from getting the promotion because the partner is overweight or, or ruining his or her reputation because the partner dropped out of college. So the, the abuser can't do what they want because of the partner, the victim. Uh, it basically, they hold the victim responsible for the things that they can't accomplish. Also, judging and criticizing is a, a, a similar to accusing and blaming, but it also involves a negative uh, evaluation of the partner. Uh, you know, uh, Basically, judgmental, critical, abusive, like um, some abusive, judging, criticizing you statements. You are never satisfied. You always find something to be upset about. No one likes you because you are so negative. You know, these are things that abusers often say. Also, trivializing is a form of verbal abuse that makes most victims of the abuse uh, that they don't feel significant. Basically, the abuser undermines their work and their style of dressing or their choice of food and criticizes everything that they do and nothing is ever good enough and that is abuse guys undermining uh which is what we talked about before but also uh threatening you know threatening is a very common form of verbal abuse and it could be very explicit like if you don't start doing what i say i'm gonna leave you or it could be more subtle like if you don't follow my advice others will find out that you are very unreliable so basically they set things up to say my opinion is much more important than anyone else in this world including you also forgetting you know, the, the forgetting covers a range of issues, you know, forgetting a, a promise, forgetting a date or an appointment or a, or a uh, anniversary. You know, even if the abuser really forgot, it is still abuse because they ought to have made an effort to remember. Also, ordering, any form of ordering or demanding is a form of verbal abuse because it, it falls under the general issue of control. And also, uh, denial. Denial, denial, denial. Abusers are so good at that. They deny one's own bad behavior and they blame you for their bad behavior. Denying that they ever did anything, reshaping, reframing the memory into something more acceptable or socially acceptable. They're really, really good at that. Also, abusive anger. Any form of yelling and screaming, particularly out of context, even yelling shut up, that's abusive. No one deserves to be yelled at. That is a verbal abuser, guys. Now, an emotional abuser, you know, they, most people have a concept of, let's say, physical abuse, but emotional abuse, many people don't have the concept. You know, emotionally abusive behavior is anything that intentionally hurts the feelings of another person. Since almost everyone in an intimate relationship does, does that at some time or the other, Emotionally abusive behavior must be distinguished from an emotionally abusive relationship, which is much more the sum of emotional abusive behaviors. In emotionally abusive relationships, one party systematically controls the other by undermining their confidence, their worthiness, their growth, their trust, their emotional stability by provoking fear or provoking shame to manipulate or exploit. You know, it's important to note emotional abuse is about the effects of of behavior, not the words used. So you can say the most loving words with sarcasm and silently communicate contempt through body language, rolling eyes, sighs, grimaces, tone of voice, disgusted looks, cold shoulders, banging dishes, stonewalling, cold shoulders. There are dozens of ways to be emotionally abused. 
And so we've really got to look at that. You know, it's uh, important uh, to know that uh, also if you suspect that you're in an emotionally abusive re- relationship, uh, take take out the book Walking on Eggshells, which is basically about the uh, borderline disorder. But that's a great uh, book to read if you're abuse if you're a victim of abuse. You know, also signs of uh, uh, emotional abuse is nothing is more damaging to your confidence and self-esteem than being emotionally abused. Unlike physical abuse, um, emotional abuse can be more insidious and elusive. Uh, In some cases, neither the abuser nor the victim are fully aware that it's happening. You know, they regularly uh, demean and disregard your opinions. They humiliate you. They put you down. They make fun of you in front of people. They use sarcasm or teasing to put you down. They accuse you of being too sensitive. They try to control you and treat you like a child. They correct or chastise you. Uh, they, they feel like you need permission to make decisions to go out somewhere. They, they, they basically take control of the finances and how you spend money. They belittle and trivialize you, your accomplishments. They, they try to, to make you feel as though they're always right and you're wrong. They give you disapproving, uh, contentious looks. They regularly point out your flaws. They accuse and blame you of everything. They have the inability to laugh at themselves and can't tolerate others laughing at them. They're intolerant of of seeming lack of respect. They make excuses for their behavior. They blame you for their problems, their little difficulties in life. They're emotionally distant, uh, emotionally unavailable most of the time. They resort to pouting or withdrawal to get attention. They don't show you empathy or compassion. They play the victim and try to deflect blame to you. Uh, They basically disengage or use neglect or abandonment to punish and frighten you. They don't seem to notice or care about your feelings and they they view you as an extension of themselves rather than an individual. They They withhold sex as a way of manipulating and control. They share personal information about you with other people. They invalidate or deny their emotionally abusive relationship or the way they behave. And they also make subtle threats or negative remarks with the intent to frighten or control you. You know, uh, this is the identifying what abuse is about. Now, how do you escape abuse? You have to acknowledge it first. You got to reach out for help. And there's lots of organizations, local and national, you know, uh, call uh, National Domestic Violence Hotline. It's uh, called 1-800-799-7233, 799-SAFE, or 1-800-787-3224. They refer you to the organization in your area that can help you. Also, use a safe computer. You know, National Domestic Violence websites warn users to use safe computer, not accessible to the abuser, so that you can collect information on what's going on in your life. And also, you want to make an effort to address the underlying issues that led you being in this dysfunctional relationship and get to the bottom of things. So if you're an emotionally abusive relationship, the best thing you can do is confront and, and, and take responsibility for what you're going to tolerate and what you're not. You have to let your abuser know that you will not be emotionally abused. You have to be adamant about it and you have to use con- the terms for continuing the relationship and what will happen if their behavior continues. It is very important for you to respect yourself. For your partner to respect you. If you have been in a relationship where everything you've done is wrong and your self-esteem can't be that high, you have to keep telling yourself that the world doesn't work that way. 
we're all flawed. Nobody's perfect, including the person that's trying to convince you that they are. You need to talk to friends and you need to take responsibility for your life. Also, if you're in an abusive relationship and the bottom line is seek professional help. That's our show. The next show is regarding uh, freaking prejudice. I want to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. Get your feedback. DRGBMFT at SBCGlobal.net. Remember, now this is off topic. Farts are the ghosts of things we ate. Also remember, the things that people really secretly want are either illegal, immoral, expensive, or impossible. So the pursuit of these wants is what I call, for my field, job security. Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 